Hello everyone and welcome to the September 25th edition of WorkComp Academy California Weekly News Update. I'm Renee Fols, your host for this episode. First up, some news about the battles against fraud and abuse. Premier Medical Management reached the end of the road this week after more than seven years of litigation. They have been attempting to collect more than $70 million in medical liens. Workers' Compensation Appeals Board Chief Judge Mark Kahn dismissed their liens on Thursday with prejudice. Premier's President David Wayne Fish agreed to the dismissal as part of an agreement with the District Attorney's Office. According to a 2007 search warrant in his criminal case, Fish had a prior criminal history in California. In 1994, he pled guilty to 17 counts of illegal payments for patient referrals, two counts of illegal payments for workers' compensation referrals, and one count of false statements to obtain workers' compensation benefits, and two counts of perjury. In May 2008, Premier lost their appeal on an attorney fee award against them amounting to several hundred thousand dollars in favor of SEGA and other carriers. Those of you who still have liens pending should see how this dismissal might affect your position. There are more stories in the news this week of investigations using social network site information. A judo instructor in Florida who had claimed total and permanent back injury has been discovered posting dates and locations of his judo classes on his Facebook page. An injured rodeo rider supposedly unable to get out of bed was filmed riding a bucking bronco after investigators found his posted competition dates. There have been several cases of claimants who play in rock bands who posted their engagement dates leading investigators to concerts with strenuous physical performances. And a Nashville TPA found a claimant's Facebook posting leading investigators to his business of selling beef jerky at flea markets, which compromised his workers' compensation claim. In other news, the city of Los Angeles is resolving a long-standing battle with the city controller over their efforts to audit the city's workers' compensation program. Newly appointed city attorney Carmen Trutanich agreed to allow city controller Wendy Gruel to audit the workers' compensation program after years of legal maneuvering seeking to restrict these audits. Trutanich stated he welcomes this opportunity to test and, if needed, improve the efficiency of the city's workers' compensation program. However, the controller claims that Trutanich is somewhat inconsistent since the litigation over this issue is not fully resolved. A status conference in the long-standing civil case is set for October 6th. Our medical news report this week shows developments that may help lower medical claim costs. Researchers at Purdue's Center for Laser-Based Manufacturing are developing new technologies to create arterial stents and longer-lasting and cheaper medical joint implants. According to scientists, these implants will be manufactured 10 times faster and less expensively than with conventional methods. Currently, the average artificial joint replacement lasts only 10 years. 
Without these new developments, anyone currently at the age of 40 receiving a joint replacement can expect to have replacements three or four times in their lifetime. The anticipated lower cost of manufacturing should translate into lower lifetime medical reserves for injured workers with artificial joint replacements. Also in the news, the cost of opiate painkillers are out of control. The CWCI issued a spotlight report this week on Schedule II medications. They report that in less than three years, these drugs skyrocketed from 2% to 18% of prescription drug payments in workers' compensation claims. And a recent Department of Justice drug trends report noted that Valium, a Schedule IV drug, Vicodin, a Schedule III drug, and OxyContin, a Schedule II drug, have now become the most prevalent pharmaceutical drugs obtained fraudulently. Vicodin and OxyContin are reported to be the two most abused pharmaceutical drugs in the entire nation. The California Attorney General has implemented an internet-based prescription monitoring database to provide doctors with a patient's prescription drug history to help identify and stop drug abuse. The Attorney General is also aggressively prosecuting physicians, especially in high-profile cases such as the death of Anna Nicole Smith and Michael Jackson. So here's a practice tip. Claims administrators should spend some time looking over the new Department of Justice Curie's website and urging treating physicians who prescribe addictive painkillers to check up on patient histories of drug abuse. The new chronic pain guideline, which is now part of our medical treatment utilization schedule, also recommends that physicians use this Department of Justice database of prior prescriptions. Now some news on some emerging theories of industrial claims. The California Nurses Association published a survey of more than 75 hospitals across the nation. They found that healthcare workers in one quarter of the hospitals are not properly protected from H1N1 infection. These findings have taken on a greater urgency after a nurse recently died from the virus in Sacramento. The survey found that 15% of the hospitals do not have access to proper respirator masks. 40% of the hospitals expect nurses to reuse masks violating the Center for Disease Control guidelines. 18% of the hospitals report that nurses have already been infected, including the one death in Sacramento. Unless these findings are corrected, more healthcare workers will file industrial claims, perhaps at an alarming rate as the anticipated H1N1 pandemic unfolds. Police officers known as meth cops are pursuing meth-related industrial claims in Utah. Some are claiming that while investigating or dismantling these labs, fumes have caused cancers, respiratory impairment, impairments, sleep disorders, and other illnesses. The meth cops are having difficulty, however, finding medical proof that these meth raids caused their symptoms. The Utah Labor Commission has dismissed over 15 of their cases for lack of sufficient medical evidence of causation. 
Only eight cases remain with enough evidence to proceed to trial. If these remaining cases are successful, this concept may inspire similar claims in other jurisdictions. And here's some news about members of our workers' compensation community. Adam Domchik, with the law firm of Gordon, Edelstein, Craypack, Grant, Felden, and Goldstein, has been named the next president of the California Applicant Attorneys Association. He currently sits on their executive board and has been the president of the Southern California CA chapter. After receiving his undergraduate degree with honors from Penn State University and his law degree from Southwestern University School of Law, he became licensed to practice in both California and Florida. He is a certified specialist in workers' compensation, and he has been named a rising star for four years by Law and Politics magazine. Mr. Domchek will face many challenges advocating for injured workers under the more Spartan climate following California 2004 reforms. The State Compensation Insurance Fund said Thursday that the Board of Directors has accepted the resignation of President and CEO Janet Frank, who has an illness in her family. The Board plans to appoint an interim president and CEO at its next meeting and to begin a search for a permanent replacement. In a written statement, the board thanked Jan for her leadership and the strong foundation she has laid for the state fund's future. The Division of Industrial Relations won a sexual harassment suit filed by Gina Chin, who has worked for the DIR for 16 years. Chin claimed that in 2003, her manager, Stephen Sane, made multiple unwelcome sexual advances toward her. Sane retired during the investigation. Chin then claims she was harassed by fellow co-workers who blamed her for his departure. She characterized their behavior against her in her subsequent lawsuit as retaliation for her harassment report. Her claims were dismissed by the Superior Court since she did not file the DFEH claim on time and did not pursue a civil lawsuit within one year of obtaining her right to sue letter. With respect to the retaliation claim, the court found that the behavior of co-workers is not the same as retaliation by an employer, which would be a violation of state and federal law. The Court of Appeal affirmed the dismissal in an unpublished opinion. And here's what's coming up next week. Saturday, September 26th, the 2009 International Symposium on Life Care Planning will take place in Chicago. On Thursday, October 1st, the Court of Appeal will hear oral argument in the City of Los Angeles versus WCAB Foster case, which involves credit for death benefits paid to an estate before portions of Labor Code Section 4702 were declared unconstitutional. Information about these and other events can be found on our website by clicking the Work Comp Calendar tab on the top corner of our homepage. That's all the news and events for this week. And please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcast and special reports using your iPhone or your iPod by searching for the Work Comp Academy in the iTunes Store. 
I'm Renee Foles. Thanks for joining us, and I hope to see you again next week.